Hey guys, it's Layla, and if you want to hear some inspiring stories about health, wellness, and life itself, join me every Thursday for Layla Ali Lifestyle. I've had wonderful guests like Haley Pomeroy, superstar Russell Wilson, and the amazing Devon Franklin come on the show recently. And coming up in the next few weeks will be Sylvia Tara, PhD, who will be here talking about her book, The Secret Life of Fat. You can download new episodes of Layla Ali Lifestyle every Thursday on the new Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Dr. Podcast. Those are those swinging sounds. Don't forget to miss those and uh, check out all the stuff at Dr.com. We appreciate it very much. Uh, my privilege to welcome Dr. Venus Nicolino to the show. You know her as Dr. V from Marriage Boot Camp and Reality Stars. Uh, new episodes are Friday at 9 on WeTV. Uh, you can check out her website at talktodrv.com. Twitter also is dr underscore v underscore tweet. It's Dr. a lot. Tweet. It's a lot. A lot Thanks, of stuff. Dr. Drew. Thank my, you. My pleasure. So, um, you know a lot of the people I know. Isn't that so weird? We live in the same reality house, but you live upstairs and I that, live in the that, basement. Is that true? I yeah, thought we sort of lived in the adjacent <laughs> apartments. So, so yeah, we, uh, you know, we mingle in the same circles. We'll, we'll talk about some of those folks. Yeah. Um, uh, t- talk to me about you first. You um, grew up where? So I grew up in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on the main streets of Philly. Mm-hmm. I'm one of five kids. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Italian? My, Italian. Mm-hmm. My dad is, uh, still is, an auto mechanic. And um, my parents were married very young. My mom was a teen mom, actually. My older sister, uh, she's... 46 and my mom had her at 16 had mm. me at 17 and then they then they just kept going so oh were yeah. they immigrants were they like was this sort of more a second generation second, second generation. generation uh they're still married uh for the most part happily hi mom hi dad we'll talk about that when i get home um for the most part for the, <laughs> for the most part so uh so so yeah and you know for me you know people always are like so like where did you get your training and things like that and yeah. you know for me it was really about you know, sitting on the stoop, you know, every night and listening to uh, the turmoils and the troubles of everyone in the neighborhood mm-hmm. of the community. And so you got interested in the got, inter- yeah, interpersonal yeah, experience. That very way. interested in that. And mm-hmm. I think what I found most fascinating is that, um, you know, these community members felt as though their problems were unsolvable. Um, and that always struck me. I mean, even as a very young kid, you know, five and six years old, listening to these stories, I'd be like, well, that seems pretty solvable. So I was always kind of listening and taking in information and thinking, all right, there's a way to solve this. And did you focus your training initially in that direction? You have two master's degrees. Yeah, right? I have two master's degrees and a PhD, which makes are? me really well versed in bullshit. So wait, the master's are in what? <laughs> I have a master's in counseling psychology. Yeah. From NYU. That's one. And a master's in clinical psychology and a PhD in clinical psychology. So as you go on to your PhD, you earn another master's. Yes. So. Uh, and you didn't get the licensing. I did not. not. In this state. I did not. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I got into television pretty early. And let me tell you. Licensing uh, will actually restrict yes. what you can do on television. Yes. And Dr. Not Phil a, let his license go yes. because of that very issue. And you know what? Unlike you have an MD, mm-hmm. so you have more freedom mm-hmm. than PhDs. That's true. You have so much more freedom. That's true, especially lately too when PhDs have started clamping down on, on yes. their uh, sort of – 
latitude. And yet at the same time, they're jumping on the train to sort of take on Mr. Trump and yeah. talk about his pathologies. Yes. All of a sudden they loosened it because yeah. of him. But I anyway, mean, but the point is you're, you, you are very much restricted by your peers and your licensing yes. board. And so. so to do things like mm-hmm. uh, shows on Bravo and marriage boot camp, oh my God, you know, you just, you, you, it's just a risk that I don't want to take. And I I got to know you through HLN, and I think yeah. that was before this stuff, wasn't it? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, yeah. we were we were on that. You, you want to say eight years? I'm telling you. you tell, well, here's ten what I'm doing. Years, here's babe, what I'm doing. Ten. Eight because I did HLN for six years, and it ended a year and a half ago. So unless we did something before HLN, which is possible, like life changers or something like that. Um, I remember that show and the HLN show. The, the, well, yeah. I remember that exact episode. And um, it was so fun. Yeah. And we walked out and you said, you know, you should – it was like one of the first appearances I've ever had on television. Oh, no kidding. And you were like, you know, you should really do television. Yeah. And so like here I am eight years later. Good for you. We'll go with eight. Well, you know, we'll no, go I with rem- eight. I remember when they said you wanted to come back. I'm like, great. I haven't seen you in a long yeah. time. But I remember being like yeah. happy to talk to her. She she knows what she's talking about. And she understands we the medium. Fun. We're doing, fun. You're good at what you do. Make so. it fun. Have there been any um, circumstances in these shows that have, you know, we haven't seen on TV that were, let's call them frustrating? Because I've certainly had my share in those reality shows that you can talk about. I mean, you're, you seem to be more patient than me. <laughs> so, wait, hold on. Let me, need to well, I deal with my... drug addicts. Well, I, and that's, and yeah. that's sort of part of the deal. And I, it's not patient, because I, I looked at some of the stuff I did, too. You get to see your own stuff, which yeah. is always weird, and I don't watch much of it. But occasionally, like, I saw myself Doesn't with, that kill you when you watch yeah, yourself? I, I can't. I, I can't. Yeah. I, but I saw myself with Carrie Ann, you know, Paniche, if you remember her. She was a very frustrating young lady. And, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm being so kind to her. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's when she was off the meth. Yeah. She was a different person then. And seeing people change mm-hmm. and evolve and grow and so fast and then sometimes get remarkably well – Always gives me hope for whomever I'm dealing with. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think some of the most frustrating things, um, you know, the marriage boot camp now has a spinoff, uh, family boot camp. Mm. And what I find so intriguing about the difference is that, you know, you can't pretend to be someone you're not with your mother standing next to you, with your father standing next to you, with your brother there. So it brings a whole incredibly genuine uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And a fiery energy. Do you, do you worry um, that some of the stuff that is sort of in the sort of treatment zone yeah. doesn't show up on TV? Um, or just that's a really good question. I would say I, I, I I'm okay with it. Do the producers yeah. ever frustrate yeah. you? Because I I got mm. yeah. Actually, you know it's so funny. We do run in the same circles. Mm-hmm. We know some of the same producers. Because um, <sighs> I got to the point where because I was doing really really medically ill people and. The last few times I was doing it, I was like, you, you can't make eye contact with me. You can't right. talk to me and you can't talk to the patients, period. And right. you can ask me, doctor, how's the patient doing? Doctor, what's this going to cost? Doctor, what's the aftercare plan? Doctor, what's the family yeah. plan? Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. One more question, I'm walking off the set. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a, it's a, reality TV, as you know, is it's, it's, it's this whole beast in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you and I, I mean, we're lucky to be a part of shows where people actually walk away with something. Mm-hmm. And that's always really nice. I mean, I'm sure people stop you in the street and say, God, I really learned this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it makes all that bullshit – by the way, what are the rules here? Are we allowed to curse? No, what if you okay. Want? It makes all that bullshit worth it. 
you know, because I, I think that how we think about mental health care, uh, particularly in this country, you know, it feels at times, you know, it's really only for the privileged. And so sometimes to actually get to people or people get the help that they need, they tune into TV. They tune into your podcast. Well, they, yeah. You know, they, and it's kind of concerns me they, sometimes. They, it does, for, <laughs> they for confuse, sure. They confuse television with mental health for, care. For, yeah. for th- that's true. Yeah. But at the same time, but they do learn too. when someone says, yeah. I learn how to communicate yeah. better. I, um, I'm able to uh, argue effectively with my partner, and I've learned some of these tools that you know we show in marriage boot camp. It makes all that shit worth it. So yeah. I mean, I'm sure you feel the I, same way. I no, mean, th- th- there's no other reason to do it. You know, I agree. So in your let's you know, people are always curious people who about people who give relationship mm-hmm. advice. What's mm-hmm. your own history like? Um, I have been with my husband for 20 years. Nice. I don't remember how long we've been married. Do you have kids? I have. Two uh, uh, two biological children and an adopted little girl. Oh my gosh! Um, she is twenty months years old. Uh, tw- twenty months. Whoa. Twenty months old. Why'd Thank you. you do that? Um, you know that's a really uh, it's a good question. Uh, she's actually my sister's daughter, ah, so it's a got it. familial relationship. Got um, it. So yes. So. Uh, and 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 I'm freeing vaginas everywhere. I hate kids. I just want to put that out there. I'm you, just you hate a, kids. I hate kids. I'm just a good. I'm a good mom because I'm a decent person. So <laughs> hold on a second. I, I want to drill into this a little bit. You, you hate kids, but you've taken on not only how old are your adult kids. You're you're you're, you're uh, nine and eleven and a, and a twenty month old. And you just don't like babies. You don't like kids, or you don't. Like I being mean, a mom? I just sort of feel <sighs> kids love me. And I don't like that. Like, I've just come to terms with myself and, and my own limitations. And, and I, I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> and, and, and so is that freeing other women not to be mothers? Is that what you say? I'm you're freeing, freeing vaginas, vaginas everywhere. From being because, a mom? Because the thing is, like, you feel like because you're a woman, like, you have to say that you love kids or no, that you, you like kids. No, Let don't. me tell you, I think women feel pressured by that. That's I know crazy. I did. I know I did. And now I'm like... Dude, get your kid away from well, me. There's a di- <laughs> Just get your kid a- and your dog away from me. <laughs> Are you on hormone replacement? Because I've noticed when my, mom, my wife got on testosterone, that's when she started talking that way too. So just FYI. But you had more sex. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it was angry, but you had more sex. Oh, no. It was all good. It was all good. Um, but but he, he, there's a difference too between wanting or feeling a desire to be a mother and liking kids. Those are two distinct things, right? Yes. But, but I think we, I think yeah. you're right. On the liking kid size, women yeah. feel like they're supposed to like right. them. They, yeah, yeah. Right. Sense. Like I'm supposed to like your kid. I'm supposed to. I, it's just, you know, I, I, I love my children and, and I, and I really love all kids, mm-hmm. but I say that because I'm a good person. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that I love being a mother. I get it. I think they're different. Do you, do you, do you feel def- that you've um, fallen short in any way? In anything? Oh, I suck. Mm-hmm. I'm like the worst but mother ever. Sucking and, <laughs> but sucking and doing a bad job but, are two different things, but right? But the thing is, it's like, the, I mean- I think the fact that I think I suck is great because that makes me honest with myself and that keeps me real. Because let me tell you, being a mother or a father is one of the hardest jobs. It's yes. like it's like the presidency. Nobody good wants that job. L- let me ask this. nobody. Let me ask a question differently. How are your kids? Are they okay? <laughs> are they good? <laughs> are they okay? You're doing an assessment. <laughs> no, just You're checking. doing an evaluation. No, just checking. Just checking. no. Uh, 
my my kids are great. Okay. My kids are great. And and you know, I say that all with the greatest snarkiness. And what does your husband do for a living? Uh he's in finance. Okay. He's in finance. Great. And yeah. is he out you guys are out here? Yeah, we're yeah. out here. We've yeah. been out here for seventeen years. And, and you're from Philadelphia, did you meet? We met in New York. When you were at NYU? Uh, in or? New York City when I was at NYU when I was at NYU, I was twenty four years old. Um I'm forty five now. And it's funny because it wasn't uh, – I always say, you know, I don't believe in love at first sight. Well, it probably was for him. And Women he, don't have it. Yeah. Uh, he walked in and I looked at him and he looked at me. And according to him, he was like, oh, my God, I want to marry her. And I was like, I just want to fuck his brains out. That's a good combo. So, I mean, that just that just made a good combo. Yeah. And uh, it was our – you know, three days later, it was twenty, you know, twenty years ago. Yeah. Three days later, went on a date. And we fucked on our first date. And we been fucking ever since. Good, well a little done. vulgar. Sorry, no. sorry. <laughs> who, who are you talking to? No, it's all good. Uh, and you've you've also done some Real housewife stuff too. Is that true? Yeah, I had a, sh- a show of my own on Bravo called Ellie Shrinks, um, yeah. which was a super fun show to do. Who else was on? There? Uh, Did I know I, somebody else? I, I think you may know. It was. Eris uh, humor. Oh yes, and, yes, yes. And what? Well, uh, we had her and on this another, podcast. Another, another somebody else. Yeah, no, but she was one I mostly knew. But, but yeah, you just started doing that right after I, I first met you. I think. I think well, it a just, couple of years or, later, for sure. I have a feeling that might. Really? I think that might have been already underway. I think no. I think you're thinking of me in some other show or something. I could never mistake you. All no, right, right. I know. Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so it was a couple years later. All right. We started doing the Ellie Shrinks. Um, I loved it. And, you know, I, I have a great relationship over at Bravo. And so I was their resident shrink for yeah, yeah. about, you know, three or four years. And yeah. I was on the Millionaire Matchmaker and yeah. the New Jersey Housewives. And, and, and from there... You know, it was great. I mean, they really – Bravo rallies behind their professional talent in a way that hmm. I don't think any other network does. I mean, Interesting. it's pretty great. Oh, that's cool. Um, well, let's talk about Marriage Book Boot Camp. So yeah. let's talk about some of the folks that we have shared in common. Yes. Start with Farah. Wow. Well, well, why don't you start with well, Wasn't she on your thing? She was. She was on the family Reci- boot camp. Recently, she yes. was on the family boot camp. With yeah. Michael, with yes, her dad. Yes, with her dad. And well, it's, it's easier talking about Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael called my podcast right after they got out of there. Wow, uh, which wasn't that long ago, right? It was like three months ago. Yeah, four it months wasn't. Ago. Long, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, "You know, I was sexually abused as a child." I'm like, "Well, that starts to explain an awful lot." And I guess he unearthed some of that with you guys. I I guess he did. And he I don't and he was beginning to see how those patterns and that trauma was mm-hmm. affecting Farah, and that mm-hmm. she he was sort of forgiving Farah for some of her behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have a good sense of where Mom fit into all this. Was she there? Too? She was there. Oy vey. Yeah. She, so it was all three of them. What do you think? Um, you know, it's 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 a hot house for sure. It's a hot house. Um, Every time I see poor De- Deborah on TV, mm-hmm. she's talking about killing herself. Every mm-hmm. time. Mm. And she had a little bit of a schizoid kind of quality about mm-hmm. her. And I said – I told Farah she was you know, claiming their mom had spectrum or something. Or was, she had all these claims about what mom had. I said, well, you might read about schizoaffective. Maybe that has something to do with this mm-hmm. too. And then Deborah got all incensed that I labeled her schizoaffective and her mm-hmm. boyfriend attacked me. He was an infectious disease doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. I just was trying to educate Farah. She's trying to understand yes, her mom. I yes, mean, just read about these yes. things. Yes, and 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 sometimes you know having a name helps you it, it, understand. That's the way I think of it. Yeah. And people somehow feel that labels are pejorative. Mm-hmm. And to me, they're just another part of the human experience. Yeah. This is just yeah. you know I've got my own I've got anxiety disorder. 
disorder. I have panic disorder. Mm-hmm. I have some narcissistic injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel diminished by that. I mm-hmm. just that's just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you also maybe even feel empowered by those. I mean, I think I, some I of those do, and, I, and I, maybe it's some like of superhuman them, powers really. I, I just think that some people feel very uh, hurt when mm-hmm. you put diagnostic labels on mm-hmm. them. And and by the way, I wasn't even di- in her case. I wasn't specifically diagnosing so much as saying. Just think about those mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. characteristics, those traits, right? And maybe you can understand your mom that way. Did yeah. you see any of that? Do you think it was anything like that, or what did you, you think know, that's that was? That's a really great question. I, I without labeling I her, I saw without, her. I saw her. All, I saw her pain. That's me for too. Sure. I, that's yeah. what I was just going to say. Yeah. I saw really all of their pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you really see that yeah. uh, magnified and volumized mm. with all three of them mm. standing in front of you. Oh boy. Um. And, and and I had tremendous amount of empathy for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and to be fair, do you get to, that's your job? <laughs> that, yeah. That's the job. Yeah. And do you get criticized by the social media world for mm-hmm. not you know clobbering people, which is only a, for me only either a abusive or b going to send up their defense strategies? Right. So. Right. You know that, that. I mean, Doc, you know this. I mean, people want to see. I feel weird you, you call me Doc. Drew's fine. Drew's fine. Yeah. Okay. So, um, hello, Drew. Yes. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you've probably had that happen as well. Like people wanted you to oh, hammer someone constantly, and, and, and didn't. My, and it, two things occurred yeah. to me. One was, first of all. I'm not going to abuse these people. I feel sympathetic to them. Yeah. I'm not going to abuse them yeah. further. They're well yeah. abused. Trust me. Right. Number one and number two, mm-hmm. being aggressively confrontative only throws yes. up their defensive smokescreen. Yes. It does not get through to them. For sure. Does, that, that's this is what worries me about television and psychology. Yeah. yeah. So everyone thinks of Dr. Phil as though he's doing treatment. He's doing a good talk show. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And, he, and he's teaching a little bit and stuff. But yeah. That's not treatment. That's Mm-mm. not. Those people walk out of there and they're going to be. That's why they send them to treatment. Yeah, because what happens out there on the stage is not going to make them better. Yeah. Drew, you recently, I, I recently saw a tweet after watching you on the uh, Teen Mom reunion. Yeah, and I saw someone giving you crap and saying you were in you were in trouble because you suggested that one of the chicks needed some containment. You yeah, were saying yeah. you were talking yeah. about how her husband sort of carouses her, yeah, and yeah. people are calling him controlling. Yeah. And I see people giving you shit for this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like that yeah. could not have been. I watched it. Yeah. I'm, ash- yeah. I'm ashamed to say I sat there and watched the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. But, but part one, part two's coming later. I know, and I have to watch that too. <laughs> That's but, well. Trust me, part two gets a lot more intense. I, I can't wait. I will be. Listen, uh, I love you. watching you because it's, you. it's you. But uh, I, it's ridiculous. It's like no matter what you do, you're damned if you do, and you're I damned know. if you don't. I've come to yeah. accept that. You know, my our mutual publicist coached me very one day when I was in some other shit storm. She goes, you know what? We're in a Trump world where if people are not giving you crap, uh, mm-hmm. you don't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's just mm-hmm. the world we live in now where mm-hmm. everything's a crap storm. And uh, I, so, all right. So I'm in shit storms all the time. I, I think we're going to see an age of legitimacy for sure. I think we're going to push what that back look to like? that. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like? but I hope, I hope it looks I different. Hope God, I hope uh, it looks different. Your but, mouth to God's ears. But but it's it's true. It's you know you're you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Now, now, now you and I have a, a – incredibly different style so my style is definitely um not in your face or or aggressive but it's definitely a little more 
And by the way, you can do some of that too without the licensing. That I, I yes, have to constantly. I know. I have yeah. to constantly be thinking: do no harm, do no harm, do, do no, no harm. I know. How can how can I? Uh, the television wants this, yes. but we can't hurt these people. And yes. blah, 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 you know. So I mean, I have the freedom of, of perhaps being a little, little bit more, more yeah. instinctual. Yes, of, that's right. And, and 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 by the way, I feel that I I I use my own humanness as a tool. Sure. Like I well, experience you as an asshole. Yeah. Do other people experience you this way? Yeah. You know so. But you're right. I mean, I have a you know, I have, I have a lot more freedom to, well, to but do I would, that. Uh, but I would argue that that kind of thing is just good. That's yeah. just good, good community, good skill of yes. you know getting through to people. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. A lot of times, that is not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they are not available. Not with True Car, of course. I'm talking about True Car. You get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Yeah, you know, and we talk about it all the time. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar, TrueCar.com or TrueCar app will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. Over 3,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers are available nationwide. You will get to work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer that you may contact with. And TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster, better buying experience when they contact a TrueCar Certified Dealer. And on average, you can expect to save over $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. Hook up with that TrueCar certified dealer. Have a better buying experience. TrueCar, go to the TrueCar.com or TrueCar app. Do what I'm telling you. I want to tell you guys about the new electric toothbrush called Quip. It packs just the right amount of vibrations into this ultra-slim design. Guided pulses to simplify better brushing. It's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. And be honest, you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes twice a day, but do you actually do that? Whether your answer is yes or no, you need Quip. It's an electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple. It cleans like a premium electric brush, but without the high price. comes with a mount that goes right on your mirror, fits seamlessly into your daily routine, offers an optional subscription plan, including new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for just $5. That's including shipping worldwide. And just in time for the holidays, Quip is the ideal size and price to gift for anyone on your list. It's featured in just about every gift guide this year. It's backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. Quip starts just at $25. And right now, when you go to GetQuip, Q-U-I-P, GetQuip.com slash Drew, get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Again, $25 right now at GetQuip.com. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Drew. Again, it's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Drew. I mean, one of my – Irvin Yalom, I mean, he's one of my favorites, you know, I love. And he would often say, you know, using – uh, yourself is the greatest tool that you have if you can do it effectively. Yes. And I see a lot of people who don't do it effectively. No, I, I, I always tell people that, that, you know, when we used to run teams and stuff, it's like each team member offered the patient something different and the patient related to each of us differently and yeah. liked us or disliked us differently. And that was 
telling the patient something right. and us something about who they are yeah. and their experiences. And when you are listening to a patient, you have to listen with your whole body. Yeah. Your body's the yeah. instrument, and yeah. then how you respond has to be instinctive yes. and from your body as well. It's I a totally cellular. It's like you're really you, you become you get into a zone where you're 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 vibrating with that person in a, in a in a way that's indescribable. Actually, um, do you have that thing I have where you can you smell things and hear things and feel things in your body? You yes. know, you just know aren't yours. Yes, yeah, I have that. Yeah, all the time. it sucks. It well, sucks. It doesn't suck for me because because oh. I, I I could see where it would suck. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. Comfortable sometimes because yes. sometimes the <laughs> the stuff I'm seeing and sometimes I have to stop and tell the patient it's so uncomfortable yeah. that I, I wonder if it's meaningful and yeah. that usually it's risky to do that because yeah. sometimes they react powerfully and um, but it, it's just so informative to mm-hmm. me like like I feel a pain, when I feel pains and yes. things like that it's like boy I know that's there it's it's this it's this third eye it's this intuition yeah. mm-hmm. you're you're picking up you're just being you're feeling with all of your senses yeah it's co-creating um, co-creating and, so you are a good mom and, how could how could you not be a good mom with all that going on. <laughs> That's all the mom is. I'm snarky. Your kids are okay, right? My my kids are great. My my kids are great. Um, And you know, I I I felt this. You know what we're talking about now with um, two two other people we have in common with uh, Javi and Kale from Teen Mom. Yes. Um, What we're describing, I the the uh, shared experience kind of stuff. It's an indescribable yeah, I, experience. I, yeah, I don't. I don't get too much of that when I'm with that group because I get a little bit of it. But but it's I'm out in front of an audience and we just yeah. film for like 14 hours and it's insanity and it's, yeah. you know it's one evocative yeah. thing after another. But but what do you feel with them? It it I, it's an indescribable feeling to be in the room with two people who are dying of a broken heart. Mm. I think, and that weighed heavily on me um, as a human being through the 14 days that I was with them. I just felt that. Oh, did they, get, did they get into it? Did they get into those feelings? Oh, yeah. No, see, they really, really did. Um, but, you know, yeah. and uh, Kale, who I have great I have great affection for all those kids, but all the people, by mm-hmm. the way. I've been with them a lot, known them for I a mean, long you can't time. help them if you don't have affection. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, you yeah. have sort of a love. Well, I'm not trying. I'm hosting a talk show, which right. is a little different than, right. than what you're doing there, right. which is different than what I did on Celebrity, Celebrity Rehab. But I am using some of the same stuff yeah. to, to conduct those interviews. Right. And, um, you know, Kale's a pretty borderline kind of history, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of mm-hmm. chaos and stuff in her life. And I've mm-hmm. always felt bad for the the chaos that she creates. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't think she intends to at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she's had some – I always thought Javi was going to be a nice stabilizing force mm-hmm. for her. No? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's difficult when couples – and I think he's really hurt. Oh, you're right. He's really hurt by yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was – but 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 both of them were dealing with broken hearts. You know, they were dealing with a hoped-for future that is never going to happen. Mm. And that is a very specific kind of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really, really tuned me in in a very new way to how couples suffer when they're needing to learn to be apart and particularly when they share a child. So, um, 
I remember that just weighing heavily on, on me. Well, I hear these days that's a lot of what couples therapy is. By the yeah. time somebody ha- yeah. gets to yeah. therapy, yeah. it's already like, well, we're going to kind of right. are, are you, help them through that. Do you want to stay together or you want to learn how to be apart? So let's sort of decide that. <laughs> I, I, and that's question number one, right? Right, right. And, and, and what do you think, as you come upon people today, what is sort of the, the common, if you had one sort of overriding mm-hmm. theme that you're encountering all the time, is there one? I see this over and over and over again that people it just feels like it to me and what? I've been in the I've been in the field for for 20 years yeah. it feels like there is a lack of empathy Oh man you got um, that right and and and, and I Usually on both sides, or usually more on one than another. Or? On on both sides, mm. there's a real. Is some uh, of that? Let me ask you this: Is some of that empathy deficiency rooted in our lack of education and awareness of how differently a male and a female experience relationships and, mm-hmm. and intimacy? Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I see it in gay relationships. Um, you know, intimate. Partner violence is is rampant in the in, in the in the gay community, so I I, I see it everywhere really. Um, and so we're talking about abusing your partner. Yes, it may be violent or not, but yeah, abuse but is rampant. At lack of empathy is is an abuse of its of, it's of sorts. Easy, it's easy to abuse if you, you know, don't empathize. Um, so I, I I think that there's this really me, me, me culture. And you see it everywhere. You see it not just, um, uh, for example, in my own bullshit field of psychology, you yeah. know, you'll, you'll hear pop phrases like, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. Oh, yeah. That to me I'm seems like, like, dude, like bullshit. Are you yeah, that, I hate that like, one. That, come on. Like, yeah. like, first of all, it, it, it describes a sequence of events. Yeah. Like, first I love me, and then I love you. And and we're branding this shit. Yeah. We are branding this shit. Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. But nobody tells you how. Mm. And it's scientifically and biologically impossible to love yourself the same way you would love someone else. Mm-hmm. So how do you love yourself? You love other people. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. So there's this, this, this real... Um, it feels to me like this cultural shift into the I, you know, into the, the me, yeah. and 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 it's making relationships harder. It's making like if you can't see someone else's point of view, if I have no compassion for you, I have no empathy for you. We don't have a relationship. Right. We make each other feel things. I, I think, though, that for the most part, uh, oh, the current season has uh, Kaylin and Javi on it. Your current season of uh, yeah. marriage boot camp. Yeah. Okay. I think I saw I don't Kaylin. Know how I knew that. Gary's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, for you. Did you know that to be before I brought her in here? Did you understand who I was bringing in? Did I, you knew her I've stuff. I've been watching from, the show for okay, like five I want to make sure I told you. You, you, didn't, you didn't – I didn't know you I were – I had never the, met her before, but I was very aware of who she is. It's, I've been dragged along as a uh, – I'm sorry. No, no. It's okay. <laughs> I, I actually – listen. I like it more than I would like to admit. Oh, okay. All so, right. It's a good show. <laughs> nice. Thanks, uh, Gare. Um, uh, it, it seems to me, though, it's, it's a little more pernicious than just – 
complete empathic failure, though that's that certainly happens. You have Weinstein's out there and things like that, which yeah. is where that all yeah. goes. But it's more like a periodic failure where there's not a willingness to focus on the well-being of another. There's not a consistency. Yeah. There's not a grit to it. But a a grit and a consistency and a priority in it Mm -hmm. and also an awareness of the need to have your attentional mechanisms directed at the other person. Right. And that has a volitional sort of a Mm -hmm. willful quality to it that you have to – be willing to do. Mm-hmm. It's much lazier to just go think about me. <laughs> right? Is that lazy? I love how you kind of like slum. Uh, yeah, like I wish like... our viewers could have seen you slum. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels it feels like <laughs> blah. Yeah. Me. Yeah, it's all about me. <laughs> You're right. It's 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 a laziness perhaps. Yeah. Because yeah. I think most people have some capacity for this. They just have to Pay attention, prioritize yeah. it, call it into consciousness, and you know, be aware. It's just, yeah, it makes me sad. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's and again, there's no good models for intimacy and relationships out there because all the marriages are failing. The families, yeah. the, par- the parenting is suboptimal or not available or, yeah. or abusive. Yeah, and so people don't trust connection. Mm-hmm. They don't get into the frame of intimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I also it's think challenging. you know. Movies and love songs—they they perpetuate this uh, fallacy of what a romance should be. And you know, you have the shows like The Bachelor, and it's this petri dish yeah. of bullshit. Yeah. It's like, okay, so your first date was in an Irish castle, <laughs> and I and I, and I always find those couples who come on uh, marriage bootcamp to be the most difficult to break through because, because? there there's this huge facade. Yeah, they're all full of shit. That, that all trying to hold yeah. up and it's like it's okay like we're all in this together like we can be vulnerable i mean how are you supposed to know your partner if you're pretending so but 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 they met each other on pretend. pretending in pretend mode uh so 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 it's just fascinating to mm. me it's a scary it, to me it's kind of scary mm. are you writing books on this at all i am yeah. i am writing a, a book with harper collins called bad advice um, and what it does, it, it, it's a mythbuster about all the pop psychology phrases. Good. Like, like you said, love you, yourself. You can't love anyone until you love yourself yeah. or expectations lead to disappointment. Yeah. You know, like, come on, like it is a, uh, in, it's an instinct to have expectations. Expectations like a, like keep a, you alive. It's almost like goal setting. It, What's it's, wrong with goal it's setting? Amazing. When, when did that become a problem? <laughs> well, well, apparently it leads to disappointment. Uh, um, and by the way, so what? Get up and try harder. Exactly. I mean, you are descendant of the Ice Age. You can handle disappointment. Trust <laughs> me. You got this. So um, it's all of these phrases. And then I prove through science of why it's bullshit. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a fun way into... Uh, a self-help book. Okay, so if that doesn't work, what will work? Yeah. Right? Is, is there stuff out there that drives you a little crazy in the sort of – maybe in the self-help and the books and things like that? Everything. Everything drives y- me crazy. Me too. <laughs> but is there anything <laughs> come to mind when, when I say that though? I mean, anything particular? You know, Drew, people in general, they're, they're not walking the self-help aisle because they want to hear something negative about themselves. Mm. So people are just selling books. People don't want to hear things that are negative. And it's... And hard. How do we get other people to hear things about themselves that they don't want to hear? Because those are the things they need to change Mm -hmm. if they want to get this, this, and this. So I find um, the creative process of, of writing this book of, okay, so how can I 
tell the reader, like, how can I shift the reader's worldview to be able to listen to something that maybe they don't want to hear, but it's funny and it's voicey and maybe it helps you think about something different. And then maybe along the way it helps you. Where you go to college? Uh, I went to NYU. I went to New York University undergrad. New York University. What was your degree in? Undergrad. Uh, liberal arts, can you tell? Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was figuring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Li- liberal arts. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a, a, a nice, broad education. And I loved NYU. I mean, I just, I loved it. I thought, did you yeah. live down there? I did. Yeah. I did. I, I, lo- I lived in New York City for But down, 10 downtown years. there or wherever that, you know, Yeah. I mean, I'll get a nosebleed if I go past 23rd Street. Okay, I mean, I'm a downtown it. kind of gal. Yeah. So, so yeah. I miss New York all the time. Yeah. Do you go back a lot? A lot, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I yeah. was just there in October. I was there last week. And I sweated my balls off. Yeah, it was, was 75 so degrees. Like, yeah. I, look, I came here in October. Yeah. I brought coats. I know, me too. <laughs> things and you can't I, do here. I sweated. And screwed you me. Do you ride the trains? Oh, I love the yeah, trains. I mean, you really get to feel... I mean, New York City has such a nice feel to it. Yes, you know, it feels the city. Like, it's like everybody's somehow in it together. Yes. And, and I love the concept of being able uh, to be on my feet. That yeah. feels real good. Yeah. That feels like a sense of control that maybe I don't have you, here you in LA. You don't like getting in a car every day. You know, I don't like getting hour, in the car every day. With the <laughs> shitty roads here and the freeways that don't work and drive me insane. But anyway, um, I, like there's stuff in, in the there's stuff out there in the self help world that I, I just all the. Well, you tell me. You right, you, you have something reason, on Hel- your mind. Helen I can Fis- see. Yeah, it. I was going to say Helen Fisher's coming to mind for me uh-huh. because she. Has taken, I love her. She's taken a, such a – com- I know. Oh. Oh, sorry. She, I, I like her too, but she's taken these extremely complex, very spurious sort of uh, referential f- fMRIs and uh-huh. ma- developed this absolute roadmap of what the physiology is, which is a million miles from reality. A million wow. miles. Wow. And, okay. and that drives me out of my mind. That, wow. that's particularly when somebody that has no yeah. training in neuroradiology and no training in neurophysiology and neuroanatomy and neuropsychology and then draws this whole thing up because one neuro neuroradiologist said, I think that's what I'm seeing here. It's like, no, no, no. This is yeah. extremely complex you're material. A- you're and, absolutely right. And that stuff right. drives me nuts when, when stuff is uh-huh. distilled down to the point that it becomes – Unreal. Okay, so I, I, we're going to disagree here because okay. I love Helen. I do love Helen too, as a and person. As a person, not, right? Yeah. I mean, she's an amazing woman. Yes. Um, but she's an anthropologist. Ma- ma- she's an anthropologist. <laughs> she is. Look at you, she you is. degree snob. No, I am. And by the way, I, well, and, and, but but not only that, I have a little bit of uh, envy for anthropologists. I think that's a. I think anthropology is a discipline that's been left behind yeah. inappropriately. It right. needs to come up right front with everybody again. But if and, you're going to say that, let me just ask you this. How do you but feel... But anthropologists making commentary about neuroradiology is like, that's that's insanity. But that's how do you feel about the DSM-5 then? You know, how do you feel that it has a 13% inter-rated reliability? Like, how do you get around that? Well, it, I mean, it, that's, that's... have you ever pulled out the DSM-1 <laughs> and looked at how far we've come? <laughs> In other words, we But do you we see are, what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, no, okay. I, I understand, but... But there is there is training and there is mm-hmm. ways of assessing these things and thinking about these things. It mm-hmm. really requires mm-hmm. a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of experience. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Well, everyone's trying to set their new resolutions, but um, you may not know exactly what you need to do or what's best for you to do. Well, there is now a way to target your genetics and your genetic traits to deliver programs that are built just for you. So I keep doing a workout or a diet plan that you're just sort of guessing is right. 
Go to Fitness Genes. It's an ultimate personalized fitness program, and it's built for you and your genetic profile. It's a DNA analysis kit plus one of these goal-based genetically optimized training system, either losing weight, building muscle, or getting fit. Order the DNA analysis kit, 20% off using the promo code DREW. You can add a training system later if you want. Check out what is appropriate for you. Leverage your genetics to make the most out of your diet and exercise choices. You could be sabotaging your success. It could be your genes. It could be your genetic profile. It could be your biology that makes it so difficult for you to respond to whatever program you've randomly chosen or you think is one that you're more likely to enjoy. But how about the one that's just right for you? Things like drinking the right kind of coffee and at the right time of day, exercising at the optimal time. Genetically, are you lactose intolerant? Are you unnecessarily cutting too many carbs and neglecting the healthy fat intake? Thank you, Vinny. These are just a few of the insights that you will gain at the Fitness Genes Analysis. Get the results in just four weeks. Spit saliva in a collection capsule. Mail it back. Designed by a team of geneticists and doctors. Order now and compare your results. Find out by searching Fitness Gene and Dr. Dan on Facebook. Follow them at Fitness Genes or at Dan Reardon, R-E-A-R-D-O-N. Check them out. Look into it. Fitness Genes. It's an interesting program, and it may be exactly what you need to get success in either losing weight, building muscle, or getting fit. Again, it is Fitness Genes, G-E-N-E-S, Fitness Genes. Uh, and so I, what I was going to ask you was, yeah. based on some of her stuff, she seems to make a, a lot of claims about what love is. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you say? Um, you know what's amazing about love is that it's an indescribable feeling that science can't really – put its finger on now I, I know now, now look i know that it hits a lot of dopamine receptors i know that it's like your brain marinating in cocaine it's not you know? <laughs> let, let me assure you it is not that's what helen fisher says and i assure you it is not she made absolutely spurious conclusions so, so about what, a brain that was ready to run away that's what that brain was doing right, right. and it was having reward activity right so it's, you tell me so you tell me yeah. You what tell me. what yeah, is it? Yeah, you tell me. Could you have ideas? Um, I know when you, you're, you're well, like excited. <laughs> no, I, I mean, there's a book out there called, what was it called? The General Theory of Love. It was pretty comprehensive for that time. It's probably about 12 years old now. Um, and there, of course, it's neurobiologically based. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are different qualities to it at different times during a relationship. Uh, initially, there's a lot of lust and drive and reward and, and mm-hmm. sort of primitive. Um, midbrain activity and a lot of the stuff that she was talking about was mm-hmm. yeah so a lot of the reward the middle four brain bundle and that's what we get when we see a good meal too everybody it's like yeah. there's lots of stuff that we that our brain says do that again do that again do that again mm-hmm. and prepare for action that's all she was seeing in mm-hmm. the brain mm-hmm. what what happens in, in a in a, an intimate contact is much more much deeper mm-hmm. embedded in the autonomic nervous system mm-hmm. literally in our heart which we're now mm-hmm. lo- learning has 80% afferents coming up to the brain mm-hmm. in a region of the brain where there are now several nuclei, nucleus accumbens, mm-hmm. excuse me, the nucleus ambiguous mm-hmm. and the dorsal motor complex of the vagus nerve and the, these these nuclei that are deeply embedded right. in highly bodily-based experience that then inform other regions like mm-hmm. the insular cortex and the anterior cingulate, mm-hmm. which give us these feelings of nurturance and mm-hmm. connectedness and mm-hmm. 
and then our focusing mechanisms kick in that we can empathize mm-hmm. and exchange with another person. But yeah. ultimately, it's a co-creative phenomenon. Yeah, I think the I, the business of looking at it in one brain is mm-hmm. a grotesque mistake. Mm-hmm. It is co-creative, yeah. much like much like the stuff you were talking yeah. about with your patients. Yes, feeling these things together. Yes, that's not just your brain. That's co-creative with another brain and another body. Absolutely. And so, so all that stuff about the medio, the. Uh, Basal ganglia, that is grotesque oversimplification yes. of, of something that's you're, highly complex. You're right. It's a dyad. I mean, it's, 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 it's what's happening between the Co-created. For sure. And, and to get to, did you ever study Martin Buber and the I, Thou? Yeah, and all that? yes. So even philosophers have yes. noticed that there's something spiritual and interesting yes. and phenomenal in mm-hmm. this, in this it's thing. It's magical. Two brains. Yes. yes. It's, it's yeah. how the humans have spread yes. across the earth is our ability yeah. to socialize yeah. and connect and, 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 and read and understand. Yeah. And that, that's us. That's human. And I don't think as a society we put enough uh, emphasis. We put bullshit. We put none on it because (laughs) because there are people like the self-help people out there that are giving you the me, 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 my brain, me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. And that's a gigantic mistake. And by the way, the philosophers never made that mistake. No, never. Maybe Heidegger a little bit. You remind me of another phrase that I can't stand. Nobody can make you feel bad without your permission. Oh, yeah. They absolutely can. Oh, absolutely. Because we help – because to your point – we help each other feel it's things. Co-created and, and, all and day some long. of it is recreations of stuff and mm-hmm. patterns and traumas from the past for sure. And you know, and maybe we can some way interfere with that, yeah. but you only learn to interfere with that again in a healthy relationship, right. another relationship. Right. That's the only way that happens. Mm. So yeah, so we're in agreement. So it's, yes. oh, you're going to solve all that Yay! with your new book, right? You're gonna, I'm going to solve that one. Well, I, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because okay. I'm going to tell you in yeah. that chapter, I lean heavily on Helen. Uh oh. So, Uh-oh. I mean, I'm going to take – this is a really nice conversation for me to have um, and sort of rethink that. I mean, that was I, one case I of do a, talk that about co That was the, the case yeah. she talks about in that book. Yeah. It's one case of a borderline female mm-hmm. in the early stages of breakup and chaos in a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a very different thing yeah. than somebody who is dating successfully, who's not borderline, by the right. way, who can tolerate intimacies. Right. I mean – she doesn't factor any of that in. Right. I mean, listen to the way she describes that patient. Yes. You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, now so, I got to go work this fucking chapter. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus. Sorry. But you're, I you're, hate kids. I hate dogs. I drew. <laughs> but just think how you're going to bring so much more to the table. No. Yeah. I, I, and no, by the way, some sure. of the stuff that Helen gets into sort yeah. of thinking about these things, she poses some good ideas and yeah. some good thoughts. But the, the basis of it is highly, deeply flawed. Deeply wow. Flawed. Wow. And, and think more about the autonomic nervous system. That's really, I mean, you know, the heart yes. turns out this this stuff above the diaphragm and, and yeah. our gut, yeah, very important neural material yeah. in connecting with other people. Yeah. We don't even know how it works. We've got we've got we've got gigantic brains in our mm-hmm. in our solar plexus mm-hmm. and over our chest and mm-hmm. in our pelvis. They're peripheral brains, mm-hmm. and we have no idea how they work. We've got that sympathetic chain all along our spinal cord. We have no idea what that's processing or how it really – what it's doing. Right. And then it's all informed at the level of the brainstem. Mm-hmm. And then that sends stuff up again into these feeling and the, the amygdala and the insulin and all these other areas that are sort of – I don't know, you know, teaching us misery and joy and what's notable and what's well, scary. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think we'll ever truly yes, understand it? I do. Or do you think we're, there's we, we something will. about it that's just magical? There's some ineffable quality to it for sure because it is it's as holistic and analog and non-digital. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, like like just even the you know if you've ever mm-hmm. seen the parasympathetic plexus that lies over our stomach, it's mm-hmm. a it's a net, it's a web, yeah. it's an amoeba. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that highly organized? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that is that a highly? That we're going to figure out the wiring of that. No, I, I'm not sure. But but there are guys like Stephen Porges out there really working out the vagus nerve and how the vagus informs us from the heart wow. and, the, and what what's coming to sort of at least what's coming up that trunk mm-hmm. to the brain. We're beginning to understand that quite a bit, wow. quite a bit. And wow. Stephen Porges is something I'd do you want to, what are the different ones he's going to look up? I did, I've done several interviews with him. You can you can check it out. Chris's great information. And it turns out yeah. that the the the. I mean, do you have like a medical degree or something? What's your background? <laughs> it turns out the the uh, the evolution and the, and the development uh, of the vagus nerve is embedded in the what's called the branchial pouches, which is where our our vocal cords and our facial expression mm-hmm. and our ears we can attune to voices. All that is is vaguely motive, mm-hmm. vaguely informed. Yeah, and so literally, there's an autonomic social plexus or social, mm-hmm. what should we call it, responsive system that's autonomically based, not rational, not conscious, mm-hmm. not con, you know, not anything. Right. Episodes sixty three and ninety. Those of you, can you get it for <laughs> Doctor V? It's those of the rest of you who subscribe at podcast one dot com slash premium. You can get all the new episodes. Yeah, Doctor V will have Dana send me an email. Um, I'll send you some links. So you thanks, Gar. Right. This is <laughs> it's all working out. Wow. Woo. Yeah, poor just he'll he'll talk to you too if you want to call him. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that that is a, uh, a great resource and and it, it being, he's just scratching the surface on this stuff. Yeah. that is going to be somehow somewhere down the line. You know, and when people work about things like consciousness and the mm-hmm. philosophers and what's conscious. Again, they keep thinking about what's consciousness in one brain. Mm-hmm. Consciousness is a co-created thing Yeah, itself. we don't think about the self in its Imbe- relation embedded. to other people. Embedded. You know, the we, self is yes. embedded. Brain is embedded in a body. Yes. The body is embedded in a social yeah. per- interpersonal context, mm-hmm. in a socio-historical context, mm-hmm. and all that is deeply important. You know, Drew, you know... You know, Dr. V. I picked something up about you yes, what's that, that not many doctors, MDs, talk in this way. And I'm very aware you, you, of it, believe me. You have me. a little liberal arts major in you, too. You might be shocked to find out. I went to Amherst College, <laughs> and I got, and I study philosophy deeply, and I study history deeply, and I'm very go. interested in the human experience, yeah. but I and I and everything I look at scientifically, I look at from the context of its historical yeah. evolution, because yeah. it helps you understand the science a little bit, mm-hmm. how they arrived at these things, what they were thinking about mm-hmm. at the time, who thought of these yeah. things. And um, yeah, absolutely. That's why I think anthropology, for instance, yes. is something that and, can, and, and can I'm help me. sure you're able to conceptualize your your patients in a much more complex way. Yeah, it's a richer with, with, landscape. Yeah, sort yeah, of. Yeah, for um, sure. but. You know, so if I'm working in an ICU and yeah. working on just mm-hmm. physiological parameters, that's yeah. just that. Though I still would argue that things like a gut instinct mm-hmm. are things that I, I trust maybe a little more because I mm-hmm. kind of understand what that is and where it comes like from. Like a thin slicing type thing? Uh, just gut instinct. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm more apt to trust that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as I've gotten older, I've learned how to do it. Oh, yeah, me too. I think no I think when I was younger, you know, I'm, I'm a really hope, hopeful person. Mm. Um, as snarky as I am, as cynical <laughs> I as I come off, I, I'm like a really hopeful person. Yeah, I get that. And, and I feel like so much of my life was, you know, I don't want to uh, believe what I know to be true. About people. Because then that would suck. And now well, that I'm older, I'm just like, okay, you suck. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. And, yeah. and and to be fair, back to that idea of, of trusting those instincts yeah. and being able to call stuff out. That comes from experience. Yeah, it, it, there's it, no there's no shortcut for that. Yeah, I mean it's it it it, it really does, and I sort of feel this. I, I want to say maybe empowerment from that that I'm able to trust myself and be like I, I know this to be true, yes. and I knew it to be. I, I might have known it to be true. 10 years ago, but I wanted to lean into the pain. Mm. You want to lean into the experience. And now it's like, you know what? Fuck, man. I don't want to lean into your pain. I, I, I just want to be happy. You know? yeah, <laughs> I don't and, know if you find that as you get well, older. You're, you, what you're, I think for me, what, what that means is being less codependent, which I am too. Good. Uh, yeah. Good. Not not codependent. Just less codependent. <laughs> <laughs> but are we really ever never? Well, that's the point. And, like and by the point, I, I wouldn't want to be never because the, it has great utility in it terms does. of getting that empathic right. connection for people. It's I'm a little overly focused on other people and a little overly <laughs> interested in stopping their pain. But uh, but that's all right. I can I can as long as I can keep straight what's mine and what's theirs, then right. it'll be okay. And, and as you said, you know, because feelings are co-created, it can be difficult. To tease out what is well, especially yours. when you're codependent, you know you, what do it you ev- own? It, ev- you acti- it activates all your own stuff all the time. And yeah. I was dealing with oh, I was dealing with Elizabeth Smart. Mm. You know, she was abducted at a fourteen-year-old mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. and I had to stop her. I said, "You are just all my stuff is coming to bear. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just aware wow. that it's all going, and I want to rescue you, and I want you to stop telling wow. me a story, and I got to take a minute here and yeah. uh, stop my own bullshit from interfering with this interview." <laughs> and, I, and I haven't felt that in a long time. Wow, I had lots of therapy to do, to get that out of the way, but all that stuff is always still kind of there. You just, yeah, you just deal yeah. with it, and, I, and it's never wrong. You know what I mean? I, I think people beat themselves up a lot for feeling the way that they feel. Okay, so now yeah, you, but, but not, me, not let, you. Let me, let me add, no, I do. <laughs> let me let me advocate on behalf of people that feel that way, which is you work hard to get some of these personality things out of the way, and then you realize, yeah, they're just still there. They're just still there. <laughs> still I just there. tuned them out. I'm just, I'm just better at kind of <laughs> lying to myself. Well, and using them effectively rather than getting rid of them. You know what I mean? But All they've right. also helped you. Yes, I mean, of course. You of know? course. I know, but they also hurt, but that's no, all right. So. For, for sure. All right. My stuff's getting mobilized, so I'm going to have to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, what a fun conversation. Thank you for having me on. It's a privilege. It's good to see you after all these years. I learned so, so, so much. So well, thank and you. I, I, remember our, I remember that first meeting, yeah. and I remember thinking, this is good television, mm-hmm. and I had no doubt you would do well, and here you are. Thank you doing so well. much, Drew. And I uh, applaud you for doing it and continuing to do it. And uh, is there anybody we left out that we know that we should be addressing that people go, why didn't you guys talk about fill in the blank? Ooh, uh, mostly Teen Mom, I guess. Or, uh, well, the people we have in common. You had Caitlin and Tyler for a while there, didn't you? Was that you? Uh, I don't think so. No, uh, or I blocked them out of my memory. Yeah. I have a way of the, doing the, that. The, 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 <laughs> the, the ones with lots of stuff yeah. was Kalen and, and, yeah. and Farron and Seven. Yeah. And I don't know if you're like me too, just before we wrap up, I, I feel deep, I feel sympathy for Farron. She makes lots of choices that really just don't. Yeah. No. You know, it's, it's not good for her. No. And, and as you were, we were as Gary was sort of pointing out, like people get mad that you have empathy for this person I who's in know. pain. Um, you know, crazy. Social media is a weird place. Oh, it's a it's just a weird. <laughs> All right, well, that's another topic. We'll I mean, get podcasts to are where it's at. That's really, right. we'll get to that. We'll do that again. All right, thank you so much, Doctor Vinius Nicolino. You'll see thank her as Doctor V. You see her Doctor underscore V Doctor no Doctor Dr underscore V underscore Tweet. Talk to Doctor V dot com where you can find her. Get this new book when it comes out next year. Yeah, awesome. And maybe we'll have you back to talk. Thank about you them. so much. And we'll, we'll specifically see how you have modified this chapter. I, we were talking I, about. I know. <laughs> Got a lot of work to do. All right, I'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. 
for calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com.